Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Incomparable, number 601, February 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. In this episode, we're going to be talking about The Expanse. Now, we're going to be talking about two kinds of The Expanse, but they're both the end of The Expanse. We're going to be talking about season six of the TV show, The Expanse, on Prime Video, which is the supposedly last season of the TV show, The Expanse. I have questions. Uh, We are also going to then talk about the ninth book in the book series of The Expanse, Leviathan Falls, which came out recently, in order to, we'll fire off a spoiler horn. So if you've only seen the show and haven't read the books, just listen to the first part. And if you've only read the books and haven't seen the show, I mean, listen anyway. You already know what happens. It was like three books ago. So um, we're going to be introducing our panelists, some of whom will have to leave us because they have not read the books. Uh, those yet. people, <laughs> yet, yet. And those people are, in fact, co hosts of A Legitimate Salvage here on The Incomparable, the podcast that's all about The Expanse. And I'll introduce them to you now because then they will be leaving us sooner than the others. Uh, Chip Sutter is here. Hello. Go into a room too fast, kid. The room eats you. I know that's an (laughs) older quote, but Mm. I had to. Doors and Corners. Jen Bird is also here. Hello. Hi. I'm wondering if we're going to have to trigger the ring entities here. Mm. Just got to pick up enough speed. You got to do a little... Little bo- put a little body English into it, and boom, mm-hmm. you can eat eat spaceships with that. And then uh, people who've read the books and will not be spaced later in this podcast, uh, Dan Morin, hello. Six seasons in a movie. Well, minus the movie. <laughs> okay. I'm down with that. And Aline Sims. Uh, I, I don't have a clever quote, but I'm glad I'm not going to be spaced. That not spaced. I mean, like, I guess we all are got, spaced at the end, but you got that going oh, for you. Man. It's only implied. It's awful. Yeah, it doesn't look doesn't look good at all. Poor poor David Strathairn. I'm still sad about him. Um, but then again, what Jared Harris just died off screen. So. <laughs> poor Jared Harris. He's, he's too expensive. He's doing all right. He's in not, he's in uh, space in the far future. So. That's right. He had to go yeah. back to his home planet. It's it's okay. So season six of the Expanse, surprising in a bunch of ways. Uh, only six episodes, which felt a little bit short. This is a show that, remember, they took a, a season and a half in order to tell the story of the first book in the series. And now here at the end, um, instead of sort of lavishly portraying everything that happens in book six of this series, we're done in six episodes. And on top of it, the decision to adapt Strange Dogs, which is one of the novellas outside the novel series that is primarily a preview of the seventh, eighth and ninth books of the series, which are apparently not going to be adapted by the Expanse TV show, which ended. I, I thought I would just start with the big question there. How do all of you feel about the length of this series, uh, this season, and uh, and the adaptation here? For those who've read the books, you could throw that in about, about book six. And the inclusion of the Laconia subplot that opened every single episode, which isn't even in book six. 
I think I could sum up maybe all of our feelings with just the three letters WTF. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm not privy to any of the behind the scenes information about why the production went in the direction that it did. It surprises me, given that the show seems to have a popular following, that it was rescued from death by apparently Jeff Bezos himself. (laughs) And then for some reason, they're like, yeah, Jeff Jeff went to space himself. He's not that interested in your sci-fi by going to space now. Uh, And they just sort of dumped it off with six episodes at the end here because it really... Uh, and I, you know, commented to a few people watching with, there's a point at the end of episode five, which legitimately feels like, all right, you're halfway through the season now. And it's like, nope, there's one episode left. <laughs> Just, yeah, get on with it. Um, and I, I think for me, the disappointment is it, it feels like even though it was nominally allowed to go out on its own terms, it kind of ends with a whimper and not a bang. And I'm I'm bummed because even though the, you know, setting aside the difficulties of adapting the last three novels in the series, it just felt like this sort of ending of the entire, you know, show deserved more. Like, I really feel like four more hours wouldn't have gone amiss in this case. Like, they did a pretty good job with what they had, but they should have had more. Yeah, and especially introducing all of the Laconian stuff because... not to go into the books because I know that's for later, (laughs) but they're introducing stuff that's really important to the final three books, but it kind of goes nowhere. And so it's like, yeah, like why, why did they do that? Are they, they must be hoping that it's going to be picked up in some form because I don't see a reason for them to include all of those I, not vignettes. I don't see a point of them including that storyline if they're not going to come in later. Because, you know, as my husband and I were watching this, he kept looking at me going like, what is going on? And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's it, it's setting things up for later. But if later never comes, like, wh- why? And I just, I, I don't know. And yeah, like, like Dan said, I... It definitely could have used more episodes, in my opinion, because the pacing felt weird and it was really good. It was so good. But by the time we got to the end of the season, I was kind of left wanting, not just because it was good, but just because it was like, I feel like there should be more. This this does not feel like a series finale in any way to me. Are we absolutely mm. sure there weren't four more hours stuck in like Amazon's X-ray feature somewhere? <laughs> Maybe well, I there, still couldn't figure there, out how to navigate that. Yeah, there the is like a forty-minute basically I know. bonus. That's what I was, yeah, yes, yeah, so just to mm. just to people who don't know, because it's easy for you to miss it, especially if you watch it on Apple TV, I like I did. It. it they they did shoot what are essentially like webisodes, but they're attached to each episode. It's called One Ship. It's in the X-ray, so you basically have to pause the episodes. And it, and it's one in each episode, and then there's another video inside there that's a I don't know ten minute long um, little mini episode. So if you're really missing the expanse, I guess the good news is you may not have seen it all. There's this little extra piece. Uh, I didn't know that. But you have yeah. to like watch it on yeah. an iPad or 
or maybe in your web browser you can do it, but you know some some devices support it and some don't, and it's not obvious for any of them. So. Yeah, yeah. So I found the I found the five one ship shorts. I did not find and was not aware of a ten minute piece. So I'll co- no. I'll I mean that's that's that. what I'm talking to. It's the okay. it's the <laughs> one the one ship stuff which adds up to I don't know how much thirty minutes forty minutes. About, it's, mm-hmm. it's a bit not that long. Not that long. Not that long. Okay, half an hour. Yeah. I don't want to oversell how much is left, but suffice <laughs> it to say, you may have missed something because yeah. they didn't tell you about it. Yeah, and but in those in those things, uh, you know, spoilers for people who have seen all of season six but haven't seen those things. But in in the mainline story, in in the mainline season, there's a reference that if you're paying attention to Christian's health mm-hmm. declining, mm-hmm. one of the one shot shorts is specifically about her health declining. Oh. Mm. Um, and 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 you don't get that unless you get the shorts or are particularly attentive to the series. Um, this season, in the last few months, three of the properties I care about the most, The Expanse, Doctor Who, and Star Wars, have released shortened, compromised seasons of their shows just all at once it's been a very weird couple of months for me as a tv (laughs) watcher um and all of the compromises that went into the expanse season six are kind of obvious but because i haven't read the books because i know that there's more to the story but i don't know what that is um I found myself really satisfied by these six episodes. I would have liked more of them, but the story was there was there was extra stuff on Laconia, but the emotional arc of the season was all about Marco and Aros versus Earth and Mars. And I got what I wanted out of that. And the bits about Laconia all the way up to uh, the very last shot bef- of the credits before you go into the 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 plane uh, closing credits, as the as the camera is moving around the ring, right at the very end, the ring is turning red. Right, mm-hmm. fade to black. Mm-hmm. That's all you see of it. They've got faith that they're going to be telling more stories. Uh, whether they're going to pick up in thirty actual years from now or what, I don't know, but. Between the faith that they seem to have that they're going to continue the story um, and the fact that these arcs were that the Marco and Aros arc was really nicely tied off and the fact that even if they don't make another episode of it, I got books to read. I was really satisfied with this season. Yeah, I I went into the last episode being like, there's no if it wasn't that I had such faith in this show and the showrunners, I was like, oh, this, there's no way they can pull this off. And then I, by the end of that last episode, I, in some, I think it was a really perfect series finale for me. And mm-hmm. I think, I hope they're setting up other stuff, but I think they did such a good job wrapping up the arcs of the people that I cared about that some of the maybe pieces that I wasn't sure why they'd included in that in this season it didn't matter in some ways yeah I think that the like what Dan was getting at there I do think there's a pacing problem because you get this 
these series of vignettes on Laconia that don't seem to go anywhere. And if you've read the books, you know where they go, but it also doesn't, you know, it doesn't go anywhere in what the is the run of the show. And it does feel a little bit like the first few episodes are paced to tell a longer story. Like Dan said, it's almost as if you get to the end of episode five and you're like, oh, now the big story arc is kicking into gear. And then there's only episode six. But I, I agree, um, Jen, with what you said, that that last episode is pretty great. Like it was riveting and, you know, it, it held my attention like a big blockbuster movie would like because it was not only i think technically competent enough that it was a very exciting kind of action actiony space battley kind of thing but that you've got six seasons worth of character arcs kind of and, and you know you're probably not going to see these characters again and i think it really delivered i didn't end up being disappointed by the show's finale as much as i was disappointed that I don't understand why we didn't get more and I don't understand the fact that they're teasing story elements that don't that that they don't have any ability at least at this point to follow up on. That that part is what leaves me scratching my head even though I had such a great time. I was so happy to revisit these characters and you know my wife and I were watching this and we were both really sad when it ended because we it has been a great show and it did have a great ending. Um, but I, I'm still a little puzzled by the pacing choices and the Laconia choice in particular. And I thought that there would be like a big reveal the the day after the show ended yeah, where, mm-hmm. where they said, ah, you see, here was our plan. And as far as I can tell, they haven't sent a peep. So nope. I don't yeah, know. That, what a weird choice. <laughs> Someone made a choice somewhere. I don't know who it was. I mean, I assume this was at the studio level, not at the, you know, the show production level, but you know, somebody out there made a choice to have this be, it, it almost feels like maybe they were promised something else. And then, you know, 90% of the way through being done with the season, they were like, yeah, we can't actually do that. So just, you well, know, keep in run mind, what, run what you got. Keep in mind, this was originally a sci-fi show. It, it, the, it, the producer of it is what is it? Alcon. It's, it's a, it is not owned by Amazon. Um, right. And mm-hmm. so that makes a, a, a few differences, right? It's not an owned and operated and it means that they could take it, you know, they could take it somewhere else if they wanted to. They could have other plans for it. It also means that economically, you know, Amazon doesn't like own it, kick, kit and caboodle. And so it, it's got less of a motivator maybe than for stuff that are directly straight up uh, Amazon Studios productions. Um, but yeah, I do wonder, one, if that meant that they didn't get the funding that maybe they wanted to get. Um, and two, if they decided that they were going to kind of obstinately not end it the way that maybe Amazon would have wanted them to end it because in the end, um, whether it's the producers or the owners of the, of the, of the rights um, who made the show to say, you know, it'll, it'll be over when we say it's over and not when you say it's over. I, I wonder if there's something going on like that, but still it's just sort of, it goes out and we're left with this silence of like, well, you seem to be setting up three more seasons, but you know, are you, there isn't even a statement of like, well, maybe we'll revisit this in 10 or 15 years, um, you know, down the road and we'll tell those last stories. There's just sort of not anything. It's very weird. Yeah. Our, our co-host, uh, Katie Burt, uh, who's also at Den of Geek, uh, has an article where she's collecting some quotes from Naren Shankar and, um, and, and others. And the gist of it appears to be that uh, Amazon said, we're only going to give you this much money. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because we're, we're busy with Lord of the Rings stuff now. You're, <laughs> you know, um, this feels like a very Netflix kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, you, Our we've gotten all we elsewhere. need out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Shankar is quoted as saying, the door is open to other things. And if the stars align, I think you'd find a lot of people willing to participate in it. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe literally uh, six seasons and a movie, maybe something else that uh, is completely funded differently. Alcon's holding all of the cards. All they need is the financial backing. Right. And I wonder um, for those who don't know, I'm going to, this is like a very minor spoiler. It's not even for what happens in the books, but just to say that the first six books end at the place, more or less that the show ends book seven begins 20 plus years later. And so I wonder if you're a savvy producer who loves the expanse and you look at how to adapt it. If what you, what you're really playing for here is the idea that this show was loved by a lot of people. The narrative kind of requires a uh, time jump that you maybe could have finessed if you got more money, but you didn't get more money. And so why not park it in a place where you've essentially set up your revival, but um, and then you just park it and say that at some point in the next 20 years, somebody's going to want to make more expanse and we'll be there for that moment. And then you walk away. I, I, I think that may be the most logical answer to why they chose this path not that they have another shoe to drop even but that they figure it'll probably come back at some point and until then we'll just let it sit here i think my biggest concern with that is like you know you could say we'll revisit this in 10 20 years but it's like man you got what if somebody dies you know like (laughs) that's like a bummer right like it's 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 a it's sad if we can't you know like regroup with the the cast and the, the the characters and stuff that we you know, have all grown to care about, like, that's kind of what you're looking for. So it's, it's a risk. It's an interesting, you know, move, but I'm, I, I hope that door does remain open. And there are certainly plenty of places where we've seen properties get revived in the last few, uh, you know, decades even. So sure. I, I think it's well within the realm of possible, but it did surprise me that that was how it went out. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. So how did everybody feel about um, the character arcs? Because obviously this is a show about characters as much as it is about, uh, you know, flying around in space and going pew, pew, pew. It is about these people. Um, And, you know, we ended this season having killed off Alex (laughs) using some, as detailed in a previous episode of The Incomparable, using some interesting editing techniques to kill (laughs) kill him off after they'd shot the season. Um, But here we've got them trying to kind of like deal with that. And you've got uh, issues with Naomi worrying about her son. There's a whole arc with Philip. Again, I think an interesting choice that the books also make to have us um, 
spend time with our villain, Marco, and also look at him through the eyes of his son, who becomes disillusioned with him and kind of starts to understand a little bit more about what his mother was talking about last season, about Mm -hmm. who his father really is. And then, of course, we've got the other, you know, we've got Bobby and we've got Avasarala and we've got James Holden. And we, you know, we have the usual cast of characters and they end up in, uh, you know, having their last little chance at, at some story here. And Amos, of course, everybody's famous <laughs> Amos. I didn't even mention him because, you know, he's everybody gets Amos. Everybody. In the draft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Clarissa, I think. Um, oh, Peaches, yeah. Peaches, yeah. She she gets uh, she gets a good little redemption arc. And I really, yeah. I really, really like that. I like her as a character. I think she's a really powerful uh agent of change or, or or demonstration that people are capable of change and sometimes i feel like we aren't and so it's it was nice for me like a little thing like oh look at this homicidal maniac who is <laughs> actually capable of um you know reconsidering her perspective and and changing changing her mind about things and that's nice yeah i like the i like her interactions with the rest of the crew especially and like her her coming to terms with Holden, right? Where they have their couple conversations about like, you know, <laughs> I wanted to kill you. And I'm just sort of spelling out like where I've come and, you know, where I've come from and, and where I, I am now. And I agree with Aline. I, li- I like her character a lot. Uh, I think the, the actress who plays her is, is really excellent. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought because of the fact that like, you know, we were knew they weren't ostensibly anyways doing more seasons or more stories. It also means, uh, you know, a la last season's ending, everybody's fate is kind of up in the air, right? Like, you could diverge from the books at this point and kill off characters who are still alive or what have you. Uh, and so, you know, there are some real genuine moments of, of like, well, anything could happen, right? <laughs> you know, there's a scene at the towards the end where she, you know, has to fix the reactor. And and I'm like, well, the, maybe she dies heroically saving the crew. I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, and it's it's you know, it, it provided some real drama. I thought too, which was uh, a nice addition. But I thought her character, especially, she was a standout in this season for me. Well, there were parts of the season where actually I was really frustrated with how much screen time Clarissa gets, just because I wanted to spend more time with <laughs> some of our more like main Rossi crew. But I think in the end, I did come around to her being there because of kind of the her relationship with the Rossi and particularly Amos. Yeah, it made it worthwhile. Amos, who is we've seen, I mean, like he's a monster, but he's our monster. That's always been sort of what it is. And he has a code, but he also sort of needs to find people who tell him what's right and what's wrong. And to see him be parental with her like he recognizes that she also is monstrous and has taken some responsibility to bring her on board and that makes especially uh, naomi you know not Mm -hmm. impressed and like that i agree i i I think clarissa is a fun character but i think that even if you don't you know love her taking up screen time like every minute she's on screen is also kind of uh, time that accrues to Amos, I think, because it's that that relationship is so important. And it is him doing this unusual thing of basically saying, I need to be responsible for her and take care of her and make her part of our crew. Yeah, this this conversation uh, makes me feel very much like 
Jen and I are in the presence of people who've read the books, because <laughs> uh, I think all four of us on the Legitimate Salvage uh, podcast team had very little patience for Clarissa until sort of the end. And I just feel like that's part of the possibly part of the richness that be. you all uh there's there's more to the character because there's more I'm assuming of the character. They spend in a the lot books. of time in that prison getting out of it and on earth in the previous season in the book they spend a lot of time together yeah. and there is mm-hmm. a lot of time for their bond to be um to be grown and and in this show it ends up being shorthanded but I think you can read and you can see it especially in the last episode but the fact that he goes to bat for her and basically says I brought her on board like it it is this like oh Amos I didn't know you had that in you. And that I think it's kind of fascinating that that she's, you know, he is going to bat for her. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this is the this is the, the the wild thing about wishing that I could have seen the show through your eyes as book readers, but also glad that I didn't. I'm glad that yeah. I was able to yeah. engage with it just fresh. It's, it's always an interesting dichotomy because there, I went, I, I could definitely, I could probably chart the point where, I went from thinking these people on screen do not reflect my image of the people in the books to the point where when I read the books, I pictured the characters yeah. from yeah. the TV mm-hmm. show. Like that is definitely a like a shift that happened at some point. Um, and, you know, I, I it took me a long time, you know, watching the show. It took me easily through the first season to get to a point where I was like, all right, I guess these these people are kind of reflective of these characters. And and you know after that point I was sort of on board with like that and and not only that but like got to the point of identifying them so strongly with those characters that they became you know iconically versions of those characters and so I you know I, I thought uh, you know I don't know I, I I enjoyed a lot of what this season had to offer again even with an abbreviated six episodes there is a lot of time for character relationships to come out. Um, I, you know, with all of this show, I feel like so much of it is about the characters and the relationships between the characters that that's, that is what you always want more of. It's like, Hey, I love space battles, but you know, give me a, <laughs> give me another episode of these characters squaring off across the table from one another or something. And, and that's always what I, my priority will be. And I kind of think this is why last season, I wouldn't say last season fell flat for me, but last season was a little harder for me than this season. It was because Naomi was separated from mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. and we didn't get her. And so I I definitely can understand how Clarissa eating eating up some screen time would be frustrating because it's kind of detracting from that core relationship or core family that you know we love so much because these characters are so good. The casting is so good. I know initially I was like, I don't know about this. The first season for sure I was like, ah, these aren't who the people I'm seeing in my head. But now, you know, I'm definitely over that. And much like Dan, when I read the books, it's their voices I hear. It's, you know, um, they have be they they are the embodiment of the characters for me now. Um, but yeah, I, I I completely get it that it's just um for me, for a lot of us, it's about it's about this family. That's what this mm-hmm. this story is, and the the protomolecule and the science fiction elements are definitely 
you know, part of what we love, but that's not the core of it. I think that, and and I've I've made this comparison enough times on a legitimate salvage to really annoy my co-hosts, but I see <laughs> a lot of parallels between um, this series and Babylon Five in the nineties. Um, both li- little shows that could um, underfunded compared to what they uh, could have used, uh, but building uh, building a cult following. In this case, though, uh, that cult following really exploded once it found a home on Amazon, and uh, the they weren't limited to sci-fi's uh, budget support or the uh, commercial television structure. Uh, and the the other big difference, aside from you know, after thirty years, people learn how to write in different ways and take advantage of the medium in different ways, but. That family aspect that you're talking about, Aline, is so crucial to what makes me care about this show so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, B5 was never a, a, a real family-oriented show. It was more of a space opera and uh, sort of a, a profile of characters who interrelated very well. But Holden and Amos and Naomi and eventually Clarissa and Bobby, you know, that season... That that episode six dinner table scene, mm-hmm. uh, the way that uh, uh, Alex would have brought them around the table uh, years before, um, that simultaneously really warmed my heart. You know, this is my last episode with these characters. Also frightened me because if they're having this warm family dinner kind of thing, clearly somebody's going to die. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, I think that's the thing that I value the most about The Expanse uh, is that it was watching these characters grow and relate to each other. Yeah. And and I think the thing that I really appreciated was that the family interacted with the political and like war storylines that were happening. Like part of what makes this last season so good is the relationship between Naomi and Marco and Holden and Philip and having all of this history and all of those decisions having such weight and how does that ripple out to the rest of the Rossi? It I don't know that I've seen that done so well in in a science fiction show. It's funny the the opinion you you uh, have given about uh, Clarissa taking up screen time is sometimes how I feel about Marco. I mean, I enjoy watching him sort of slowly self-destruct, but I also, I just hate him so much. I mean, yeah. that's good. He's oh, a well-drawn yeah. character that I hate, but I'm like, oh God, I don't want to see this guy with his insane plans <laughs> go on that much longer. But Dan, um, his eyes are so pretty. They are really. Just and I, such I, gorgeous I, eyes. I will say I've seen the actor on, on Twitter. He's very funny. Uh, and I, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I think, in some ways that I resented the time I spent with them where I could be spending more time with, mm. you know, uh, the Rossi crew or Avasarala or, you know, somebody else who I just like a little, like, I just don't dislike. Uh, but again, it's not a dislike in terms of like the performance or the idea of the character. Just like, oh man, he's a bad guy. I don't want to, I don't want to care about the bad guy. Um, but I, I do think that there are some great uh, storylines with Philip and the way that that sort of spun out in terms of, showing the contrast between, you know, your found family and your biological family and, you know, uh, these these lines that get drawn between them. And I thought that the stuff they did with Philip this season was interesting 
um, they gave him a lot of runway, right? Like we we have the scene where he he, he kills his best friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh. Uh, oh, it's heartbreaking because like you and again, kudos to the actor there too because I think he really pulls off the horrified, you know, instantly horrified nature of what he's done and trying to cope with it. And the rest of the season is basically him coming to terms with the fact that he did that. Uh, and then his relationships later on too, with the, um, uh, the guy who has the family, uh, the brother on, uh, was it, is it series? Series. Yeah. 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 I like, I I thought that was an interesting insight into like, Hey, maybe this, maybe this kid, (laughs) Yeah, is not so bad if he could just get out of this incredibly toxic environment that he lives in. Yeah, um, the, yeah. the the whole dynamic between those four characters, uh, the the battle of wills in the previous season between uh, Naomi and Marco over Philip uh, over Philip's loyalties, and then uh, Marco disp- simultaneously disparaging and. Um, uh, manipulating uh, Philip into being a weapon for him, Holden not being willing to be the guy who kills Naomi's child, yeah. and then Naomi being the one to push the button to kill uh, Philip, and then Philip escaping while Marco dissolves in the most glorious villain <laughs> dissolution I have ever seen. You know, um, those four characters right there, that's the heart of the season for me. Philip, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, in the books, doesn't Philip basically walk off the ship onto a station before they... I forget, he gets th- off. Yeah, he does th- get off, and this, I can't remember. This one, I was like, wait a second. Like, how Are they going to do that? Are they going to save him? And they do save him by having him jettison, basically, out of it. But I think it, it's a little... It is actually still quite dramatic, but I believe the way it works in the books is that he, um, they're about to take off for their, their final confrontation that goes the way it does in the show. And Philip basically walks off the ship or, and, you know, away from his father. But I'm glad that they got the emotional kind of beat of that. I agree. Like Marco is really annoying and who wants to spend time with Marco and yeah, yeah, dreamy, but, um, (laughs) but it is important. Like that is such a, a key part to Naomi's story as well to have, have, uh, you know, the villain of the piece is also the father of her child and he's along for the ride and so much set up last season when they were together. So to have this, this moment where Philip, sort of starts to figure himself out it's like i think it's worth the time but isn't it interesting we're talking about this again because there were these six episodes and we feel like time is so precious you can't (laughs) waste a second of it on a character that i'm less interested in than the main characters um speaking of which uh christian avasarala is um one of my favorite things about the show she doesn't have as much to do this season i felt kind of bad but then again you know basically she gets to stand in a bunch of rooms and and argue with um belligerent admirals <laughs> it's already more in some ways than the books because i like you know they have that bit at the in the last episode that even i was like calling the scene like wait a second why is the head of your entire government out in the front, yeah. front fighting oh, yeah. with people? And they're like, no, no, uh, you shouldn't be here. And she's like, I'm going to be here. And you're like, yeah, in the books, I don't think she I even think she's. Leaves. I think she's just on the moon the entire time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it's like, well, you have to have her interacting with these characters, do. right? Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's totally a loss if you don't have her, you know, facing off with Holden or Bobby or what have you. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know, uh, so good to to watch her. She is my favorite character from the books. Or the, or the the moment when um, 
think it's in episode four when she meets drummer and yeah. like that mm-hmm. you have to have that moment i think to see these two leaders who have come from really different places that's the thing is that moment where they shake hands is the moment where i thought this feels like halfway through the season uh-huh. mm-hmm. and it is yeah. the end of episode five i believe and i'm like <laughs> yeah. what you're only just like bringing these characters together now and Drummer, a character who, by the way, is essentially not in the books. I think they're until they, she's in the later books because she was so popular on, on the, the show TV that show. They yeah, like, exactly right. They added her. Um, that is such an interesting story because th- it is the story of somebody who has taken a principled stand against the person who is essentially representing her own people. And so to be the person who says, no, he doesn't represent me and be potentially branded a traitor. And her family basically is destroyed by this. And she's put everything on the line, risked and lost everything to do what is right. And then to have that moment where you totally understand why it's like, you know, Oh, but Avasarala, come on, she's good. You're going to love her. It's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like this is a mm-hmm. this is a huge step that will potentially uh brand her as a a traitor to the belt for forever if it goes wrong, but she also kind of knows that um in the end it's it's what she has to do and that's the you know, that's one of the nice things about the end of the season is it it really is um the all the great powers of the solar system saying um, the world has changed and we have a common enemy and, you know, things aren't the way they were before and we need to work together. But it, it is a great the drummer's story is so dramatic and, and tragic. And um, and then ultimately, you know, she's also after she shakes the hand, she's also out in the middle of it in the final episode, blowing stuff up and trying to kill Marco. So that's all good, too. Christian and Avasarala are basically the same person. Like, they're two sides of the same Who, coin. Uh, uh, drummer, you mean? Yeah, 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 sorry. Um, like, they are two sides of the same coin. They're the same person. They are principled. They are driven. They are, they're gonna get the job done no matter what they need to do and what they need to sacrifice. They put on their armor um for for christian it is chrissy as um amos and i like to call her uh, <laughs> at least i call her that to her face um uh, it's her you know it's her jewelry her wardrobe her her makeup um for drummer it is her uh very heavy smoky eye and her <laughs> stony face you know like they are the same person fighting on two sides and then kind of allied. Um, and I think it's it's this really interesting dynamic because um, I feel like they know they can trust each other, but they also can't trust each other um, because their interests are not exactly the same and they're mm-hmm. going to do what they need to do, you know? I agree. They are really similar. And I think the core difference is one has and comes from a lot more power. Yes. And like, ultimately, it's like, how much power are you going to give up? She's not going to give, you know, Avasarala is not going to give up the amount of power that Drummer wants. Yeah. Or that the the belt wants. Um, So it's so interesting to see 
that dynamic. You know who's going to give up that power is Holden. How about that last scene? <laughs> where that Mary? scene is so good because I, I saw it coming just before he does it. Like I was like, oh, I see what he's going <laughs> what he's going to do here, and it's it's fantastic because it, it's exactly what needs to happen, right? And you can tell Holden has had those wheels turning ever since that meeting where he agrees to take the job. Like you know he's doesn't really think like this is this isn't for me the assurances that he is looking for are for one specific thing yes (laughs) exactly and and i i think it's so you know not to put it too much into into real world terms that i think you know you can run into but like in terms of like sort of an allyship sort of situation i feel like holden is pretty much sort of embodying that idea is like look i am not the right person for this job i'll tell you who is the right person for this job and i'm gonna do everything possible to make sure they get this job yeah yeah, no, oh, you're going to appoint me? Well, then I'll appoint them as my successor, and then I'm, I'm out of here. And, yeah. and that's such a great moment when, when Avasaral is so mad at him, and he's like, look, you know I had to do that. And she's like, <laughs> essentially, she's like, yeah, well played. You maybe, maybe aren't as dumb and annoying as I thought you were all along, you <laughs> dumb, annoying man. Well, and it's the most Holden move of yes. any Holden right? move that ever Holden. You know, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> he's a paladin, right? Like he's yeah. a paladin. That's what he does. <laughs> yep. Any other thoughts about uh, uh, the characters in the story of uh, season six? This is a good time to get them out. If you've got anything on your list, that sounds faintly ominous. <laughs> I did want to say I wished. I, I feel like I kind of need to go back and rewatch that last episode because that battle scene is super intense, and yet yeah. I felt like I missed about fifty percent of the dialogue because mm-hmm. so much is happening and it's loud and they're yelling and like people are getting shot and exploding and there's just so much going on. It was like really, I, I agree. It was like f- blockbuster, but like I also kind of lost track because I was trying to take everything in. <laughs> I want to uh, shout out Frankie Adams as Bobby yeah. Draper. Yeah. Um, and uh, how that character just utterly came into her own. Um, I, I think I think that she was better and better every season. Yeah, she really was. Mm-hmm. Um, the both the you know the the Merc for the, the, the Merc for hire on Mars to the to the aid to the uh to the just the uh, the amazing hero uh stuff that happened on the mm-hmm. ring station right all the way up to just mm-hmm. uh flying the ship in the end um uh i think bobby she just felt irreplaceable to me uh and i was glad that she was around uh when um um Cass Anvar left yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Frankie Adams didn't really, she didn't really have a lot of acting experience when she came into the show, I, as I recall. And I think it was a tough act to come in and embody this character. Uh, and and I totally agree with you, Chip. Like every season, she just seemed more and more like n- just nailing it. Like she just, she really brought like an A game to that entire performance. And I by the end, I, I you know... <laughs> I think she's just like it, it, she is more than almost any of the others. Like, uh, just you close your eyes and picture Bobby Draper, and that's that's who you see. And it's a and it's a credit to the I don't know if the casting director or the showrunners because I know they had a hard time finding someone who they kept looking for someone who met the, dis- yeah. the kind of description of her character, and the showrunners really pushed to say like we there has to be someone out there. Because she'd only done a couple small things in like New Zealand, yeah. But I can't imagine anyone else playing her. 
my favorite bits of the season and also in one of the um, hidden X-ray uh, one-shot thingies um, was uh, seeing her play off of Amos yeah. all this season, um, basically out-machoing him at just about every turn. <laughs> uh, and just matter-of-factly, she's not a... She's not a cartoonish, strong female military character like perhaps uh, Vasky in Aliens. Um, there's a lot more to her, I think. Uh, but she she more than holds her own against a more traditionally macho character like uh, like Amos. It is a remarkable time. Frankie Adams is actually um, Samoan, but from New Zealand. But, but I think my point still holds, which is you have... Actors of Polynesian descent kicking ass in two major science fiction franchises simultaneously between mm-hmm. Bobby Draper and Boba Fett. <laughs> and I just right. want to say yeah. it's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. And also I want to say Frankie Adams, please put her in something else very, yes. very soon. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, might I suggest a Star Trek show? But really, I'll take her in anything. She is great. They shoot Star Trek in Toronto. It's right there. They just slide her on over um she's she's so good and that's such a a great uh character and she's embodied it so well and and i know they had trouble casting that character but mm-hmm. they nailed it they really did they found somebody who didn't have a lot of experience but who really grew into it and and did a great job i'd be fascinated to see her in something non-genre i it mean would i be think she can great, do nothing right? wrong anything yeah 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 you just need somebody who's got a show for a big strong lady like frankie adams but she's so good Final words, uh, <laughs> Jeff and Jen. Any final <laughs> last fi- final words? Last words. Um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I'll repeat. You know, I wish I could simultaneously have uh, have read the books and not had not have read the books. You know, Schrodinger's TV viewer. Sure. Uh, but uh, I was glad to I was glad to get the story fresh this way, and mm-hmm. now I'm looking forward to reading the books and uh, learning the rest of the story. You'll enjoy the divergences just in the opposite way that we enjoyed the divergences. That's all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to read them. They're good. I mean, that's the thing. They, are, like, they are legit really good. <laughs> yeah. They're really good books. They're not, you know, they're not just kind of garbage that was fodder for a TV show. They are, that, like the first book, We most of us on The Incomparable read Leviathan Falls, sorry, Leviathan Wakes, right? <laughs> bookends, mm-hmm. the bookends people. Leviathan Wakes because it was nominated for Best Novel for the Hugo Awards. And so we're like, all right, mm-hmm. we'll read it. And then, and there were, you know, vomit zombies and stuff. And like, what is this book? There's a cop with a hat and vomit zombies. I don't know what I'm reading here. And the answer was, it was the start of this phenomenon that is The Expanse. And um, it, they're, they're legitimately uh, very good science fiction novels. Um, and uh, you will have a blast, I predict, in reading them. But for now, we must consign you to the deep because we're going Wait, to talk what? about books seven through nine. <laughs> Chip, You're really spacing? Chip, what? you were the one who suggested that I we space you. So now is the time. Get in the airlock. Death, but I vow with my every breath, forego with wisdom ways Chip, when I say. Chip Sutter, we, thank you for being here. Him? Can we space him before he finishes singing? <laughs> He has to say goodbye first. Chip Sutter, thank you for being here. Uh, bye. <laughs> and Jen Burt, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you. And they can both be found also on our uh, a legitimate salvage podcast. If you love The Expanse and you want to re-watch it, watch it with some podcast companionship on a legitimate salvage. But now 
Um, I press the button. All right, now we should talk about the books a little bit with uh, with Chip and Jen gone. Just those of us who read all of these books, but yeah, the last three books are oh, um, so wild. Are, yeah, like, they are pretty wild, and 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 I love that about it. That the last trilogy is not only just set in the in the far future, but there's so many strange things. There's a giant diamond that mm-hmm. has like the thoughts of the previous civilization sort of in it. It's like a database. Um, there's like that, that last book, um, is, I mean, it does everything that you want it to in the sense of it actually kind of resolving the storyline and, and people fight back. And I did. So in Leviathan Falls, there, there was a part about halfway through where I was like, oh, I see where this is going. They're going to have to shut it all down. This whole mm-hmm. story has been about creating the ring gates and being able to spread humanity out throughout the solar system. And there's a moment in Leviathan Falls where I think, oh, the way you beat the monsters that live in the space that is generated by the ring gates is to turn off the ring gates. Don't, don't be that. Don't be like the old builder civilization. You gotta, you gotta shut it down. And, you know, being book nine, having it be Holden who sacrifices himself essentially to, to flip the switch and shut it down. Again, a very Holden move in Aline's words, the most Holdening, Holden. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And with, and with, of course, the uh, egging on of um, Miller, basically, as it all happens. The scene where Holden injects himself with the protomolecule and Miller shows up again. I think I laughed out loud, like, because it was, as you said, Jason, it's like, yeah okay obviously that's where this was going but still the fact that they went there and that you know you have that moment that perfect sort of you know mirror back to the earlier books was just delightful it was just delightful because mm-hmm. you can't end the series without, without miller, miller in appearing in some way you or can't. another no that was the whole beauty of that first book right so yeah yeah and it feels i don't know it's <sighs> It's almost fan servicey, and people yeah. say that like it's a bad thing. Yes. But oh yeah, I am heaven here for, for the fan service. Heaven forbid that the people in. who enjoy the books yeah. uh, enjoy a nine book series should be given things that they want to see. We shouldn't I allow know. that to happen. Yeah, come on, that's not yeah. that's not fan service. That's called creating like bookends in order to bring the story back around and remind you of how it all got started. That's like a piece of. A piece of art it's a beautiful thing um yeah it, it really i I, the, I think my biggest struggle with leviathan falls as with it had been so long since book eight that like oh yeah i i remembered the broad strokes of things that had happened but was trying like, to like remember oh, the right. details holden was was yes. t- was tortured and held prisoner yeah, he like right prisoner, right mm-hmm. right yeah i mean okay and then duarte is like comatose and yeah. basically dead only nope nope I, he's fine and I he's did teleporting remember, places i did remember that part because that was supposed to be like a great victory that that it was like duarte is as, as uh has has become comatose because he's been taken over by the protomolecule and then in the last thing basically that i think happens in tiamat's wrath is that he goes to the he he pops up and dr manhattan like and dissolves the uh evil scientist right <laughs> Right, yeah, <laughs> and that's right. the last. And you're like, what? And yeah. so in this book, he is a go. He's like Doctor Manhattan. Like he's like a ghost yeah. who appears various places, trying to figure out how to solve well, everything. And, and he is a fascinating character. And like that is one thing. Just to make a you know reference back to our discussion of the show, the fact that they brought him in seemed just bananas to me. Right, yeah. like, this character is so important, and it also 
no offense to the guy who played him, but I feel like that's where you want to bring in like a name. Like, right. like he's such a dynamic, interesting, important character that to have him be a throwaway character who appears in like five minutes of like two episodes is like, what are you doing? This guy's like the big bad. <laughs> well, and, and they're at the wake and what the science scientist dude comes in is like, Oh my gosh, you have to come. And like, they go running out and Justin looks at me and I say, don't worry. It's important, (laughs) but you'll learn more about it. Yeah. Yeah. When you read the books, like I I don't, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Very weird choice for them to do all of that. And, 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 and yet, and yet, having read Strange Dogs, I really liked that they that they put that story in there. And of course, and Dan, you mentioned this in, in our Slack a while ago. It's like you have that moment because you didn't read Strange Dogs, the novella, no. so you're watching the Strange I haven't Dogs. Either. Okay, well, so to both of you, you're watching those two kids. And did you ever have that moment where you're like, "Oh my God, these are the two yes. kids who are probably yeah, no, like, no, it totally clicked for me at some point. It's like, oh, it's the black eyed kids. It's oh the no, same <laughs> kids. Because twenty years later, they're all they're still kids. You yep. see, yeah. yeah, exactly. That that was a freak out moment where. Like I think I I'm watching my wife who has not read any of the books and just watches the show and it was just like oh no yeah <laughs> she's like I think bad things are gonna happen to those kids I'm like oh yes yes right. when sort they of, when when they of. introduced um her brother I was like oh yeah yeah I know where this is going right. now yeah. <laughs> yeah although when you talk about it in the book series especially the sort of like proto molecule modified people um who are who do not become vomit zombies because they're not being turned into you know, a uh, a uh, thing that's going to go to Venus and make a ring gate. Um, I I really liked how these books portrayed the kids and Amos. Yeah. Because at, at some point there's a line about like the substrate or something like that. And basically the idea here is these things are tools, the protomolecule, they're, they're tools and they were used to reboot these people who had died. But, and while there is a, they are kind of running in a virtual machine, <laughs> but, but I think the book really feels like it, it, the truth is they are still who they are. They're running on a different operating system now underneath it all, but as people, they're still people. And that like Amos is still Amos, even right. if he struggles with that a lot, right. but he also is convinced that he really is Amos, but yeah. he is like it's unsettling right like the whole thing is it's weird and creepy but it's i kind of still trust him because he's still him yeah yeah that he's slower to process kind of yeah and has those moments where they're like uh, where it's like a glitch or or something is happening underneath the surface but ultimately i i mean i think the books really do want us to believe that they are not like secret monsters who are going to kill us all they are actually themselves but they've been transformed by this technology into these kind of weird self-repairing immortal beings they've taken this leap beyond traditional biology leading of course to the most amazing conclusion (laughs) to a book series i have ever read which is that since the ring gates have closed they have everybody travel slow path between solar systems and in a thousand years time somebody finally makes it to old earth and they land and who is there to greet them but Amos, who is still alive and is essentially the leader of Earth now? Or basically just the, you know, rep- yeah, I loved that scene. <laughs> I thought it was, I did not know how that book was going to end. I did not expect that particular no, ending, no, but it, it no. totally landed for me because I, I, I was delighted. That is the thing. I closed it and I sort of like, 
it just made me laugh and think like, of course. Uh-huh. And it, it had a little shades of, um, not to spoil too much for a really old series, but uh, there's in as in the later Foundation books, there's like a big, uh, there's a big reveal, Earth, yeah. And there's a character who's still there, just hanging out, and you're like, oh well, of course they're still here. Yeah. It did. I. It got me to thinking, though. Like it's interesting that of all of the crew members of the Rosinante, or really anyone in the galaxy, mm-hmm. that Amos would be the one. Yeah. Like, and, and the two the kids. legitimate sociopath would be the one yeah. who. I know, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. just. I mean, and, and I think you're right. If you get to thinking, you're like, how does that work? And it's like. I don't know if we're supposed to take it at that level or we're really supposed to take it as like, uh, like Dan said, it's like, what? Of course. Yeah, no, it was delightful. It's so it was great. great. Nothing, nothing yeah. can stop him. <laughs> I'm sure he's spent a thousand years figuring out, you know, who he can get to tell him who not to kill and who to kill <laughs> and all of that. But I, I love that. I mean, I also really like that idea, right? That the door is closed, but it's not permanently closed. The ring, yeah. humanity is now spread out. So you actually do have a galactic civilization, but everything is going to be done communications are going to be done at life sp- light speed and if you actually want to send people to and from it's going to be regulated by actual laws of physics and so it's going to be a different thing and i i thought it was almost like an ecological message you remember that star trek the next generation episode where they learned that going too fast at warp speed yes. hurts space <laughs> yes it was a little like that where it's just like oh yeah you know having a ring gate that goes into another universe in order to cut corners here in our universe it's bad, and the people who well, live it, there hate it, us. It's like you. Get, it's like that episode. Only that episode, you know, didn't had to deal with like a bunch of stuff that came later. Whereas this one is, it's the end of the series, so yeah. they can be like, yeah, we're not going to worry about what the impact. Mm. We're going to wash our hands yeah, of this. Close the as door. opposed to having to be holding to it for like three more seasons and be like, yeah, but like now we still kind of go warp well, nine. And <laughs> how can we beat them? And really, the big series question of this whole series is how do we beat? the monsters that destroyed this incredibly advanced civilization that came up with a protocol proto molecule that, that did the ring gates that did all of these things and they were wiped out. So how can we hope to beat them? And the answer is sort of because fly underneath the radar, their hubris. Well, it's, it's uh, the way I read it was their hubris is what killed them because they didn't think of the one thing to do, which is close the door. Just accept that you're not going to be able to cut corners, close the door, and then it's not going to be a problem. And the humans and James Holden basically are able to do make that move and say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we survive. We close the door. It's uh, Although with, with the door closed, nobody can go to the giant diamond and do research, which <laughs> well, made, it, made me sad. It did... Uh... It also feels almost like setting up for a... It's almost like this is the, the, the pre... Not the prequel, but like the sort of the preamble of the like new galactic civilization where people are far flung. Like you could almost picture a series set in that far future time about right. this new version of the universe, or or pick your existing favorite far flung uh, human civilization Colony, in the galaxy yeah. who hasn't been in contact with most of them for most of the other people in the galaxy for years. Like pick your favorite sci fi series of that, and this is essentially the origin story of that. I actually had that thought, Dan, which is I wonder. I know that they said that they're not going to write any Expanse books anymore, but I thought you know what these guys should do is they should do like a a from the universe of the Expanse yeah. series of novels. Presents. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a like Star Trek books or something, but it's actually just now we've set up this new scenario and we're not going to play in it. So you all play in it and 
and uh i'd i'd read those i think that might be a lot of fun yeah laconia would be like that um that planet in stargate sg1 that was like really advanced Mm -hmm. where carter falls in love with that ambassador dude and then everybody dies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a good one don't fall in love with the aliens by the way in stargate advice to the stargate characters especially don't yep yep yep, don't do it i wanted to ask what you guys thought of the uh the new pov character uh in this book the villain whose name i'm i'm blanking on but the the woman who's the soldier oh yeah oh i hated her just like i hated yeah. marco yeah, yeah, yeah she, she did yep. hate her i mean it's so, good it's the same feeling right which is like mm-hmm. i really hate her and i want her to die and i want her to fail and there's that moment where holden shoots her and you're yeah. like yeah but she doesn't die and <laughs> yeah. and i am torn because it's sort of like Right, Dan. I mean, you you are an author of science fiction novels. The challenge with villains is you want your readers to hate them, but you don't want them to despise them to the point where they don't want them in the book anymore. Because yeah. then what? So I thought that they walked the line with her, where she was really kind of hateful. But then over time, you also realize how what a wreck of a human being she is, and she's a complete disaster. And by the end, you know, she's not. She she kind of is defanged a little bit because just even though she's awful, like. It, it doesn't kind of doesn't matter by the end how awful she is, but she's awful. <laughs> and she's she's also a really interesting character. And I appreciate how they didn't make her a one dimensional. Oh, yeah. Villain like Marco's kind of one dimensional. Yeah. He's he's got his goal and and that's it. But with yeah. her, it's like, oh, and by the way pretty good artist has an art history background Uh and it's like oh all right that's interesting she's got a Um, a real spin the wheel kind of selection of traits right it's almost like going back to this origin of this series as an rpg because it's like she's got her particular sexual interests she's got her art history background she's got her loyalty to to, duarte which is weird um yeah what a weird character she's so interesting in that like her fundamentally at the end of the book it's her distaste for this idea that anybody else could know what's in her head that kind of turns the tide yeah. towards mm. the end there. Because everybody like gets, she f- becomes like a big kumbaya. Uh, the hive mind. The hive, hive mind, mind, yeah. yeah. And, and But her distaste for that and like how upset it makes her is kind of what drives her to eventually help stop Duarte. And I thought that was an interesting, like I kind of realized like as they got there, like, oh, this is why yeah. she needs to be here for all of this. Because she it's, gets really freaked yeah. out when people remember her memories, right? Yeah. She's right. like, no, 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 I don't want that. And that that is the great push and pull at the end here, right? Is the, are we going to follow Duarte and basically, you know, become a hive mind? Um, or are we going to blow up the ring gates and become individuals again? And that's, the, I know what side that our characters are on, but it's uh yeah i mean i thought i i thought it was a lot of fun i love i literally i mean i was gonna nominate um uh tiamat's wrath at, for our um book draft for the best books mm-hmm. of the 2010s i legitimately love that book i think it's so good and this was a great capper following on from that to to wrap up the series and and uh and take it to some interesting places and and like we were saying to to chip and jen like I, I envy them just as they sort of like are interested in the fact that they that we saw the show through different eyes. I envy them being able to experience these books because, like we said before, they were unceremoniously spaced. Um, <laughs> the well, okay, there was a brief ceremony. Um, these are good books. Like 
this is a good series. This is not one of those series that, yeah, there's nine books, but it really lets you down. It's like, no, they they did a good job. They released them on a good schedule. <laughs> like yeah, they, right. It, it really, like, uh, really strong, um, you know, I was very impressed with the work that, uh, that that they did, especially while they were, like, involved in the TV show, too, on top of yeah, it. Yeah, it, it is more than a little daunting. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, like, I- yeah. I still remember, so I read the books because, I started the series because Justin told me to. He was <laughs> like, no, really, you need to read these. I really want your thoughts. At that point, I think there were, maybe the first three were out, maybe the first two. And he was like, look, um, the they have these things called the Epstein drives and this is how it works. And I'm like, this is not the way to appeal to me, but okay, I'll read them because you're super into them. And, uh, I was just sucked in and it has not let me down since. And it's only gotten better because, um, as I've talked about in previous episodes where we've talked about the expanse, like early on, there were no women point of view characters. Mm -hmm. There were hardly any women written in the books and they have listened, I think, and they have really kind of um, paid attention to the change of the tides of the world over the last decade and more women, more diversity in general, um, racial diversity. Um, I mean, there's, polyamory um which is not not something that's common in mainstream media yeah. well, i mean Holden, you know, holden's parents are a group marriage which is really yeah, interesting yeah. yeah and so um i i love the books for that reason too i think that there are it, it's really a a great example of what science fiction does best when it's firing on all cylinders in that it is um, telling a good story that is reflective of the time. And it is, they were updating what the story was as society um, updated its understanding and belief system over the course of the series being written. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts about this uh, this series and about I- Leviathan Falls? I want to mention I thought that the I like the sort of mystery aspect of uh unraveling like what's going on with the whole um like with the 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 Ringgate aliens shutting off the consciousnesses and like everything and they're trying right. to figure out like what is going on, what is happening, why do well, how do we stop this? I liked that whole thing being sort of unraveled and explained and explored cuz it was like a creepy it's not like, oh yeah, these 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 aliens—they're gonna come through and start shooting at us. No, they're just gonna turn your minds off. You're gonna yeah, die. They're, they're like, <laughs> like that's weird and creepy. I, it's a really nice idea, and something that I think is uh, there's some some science that supports this idea. They, the, it's the what if their recourse was not to yeah it, come in through a portal and kill us all. It's to adjust the laws of physics so we die. Like yeah. that was kind of what they're doing. Is they're like, no no no, we'll just change the laws of physics and you'll go away. Uh, yeah, like we just need to find the right knob to turn to turn right? like in yeah. your space that makes you not be able to think or act or live and then we'll do that 
And I wanted to also mention, because although this does play into the books, it also, something I forgot to mention when we were talking about the last scene of the show, I enjoyed in the last season of the show, missives from characters from previous yeah, seasons. I have it I have it in my notes here. I, I think it's really great. We They get a they get a message from Prax. They get a message from Elizabeth LV. Mitchell's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. LV, who is, yeah. LV, who is important in, in, in the, the books. In the books yes. here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I enjoyed her role in the books always. Like I think, uh, especially in these last three books, she becomes such a critical character. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed I enjoy having her around a lot. So like, and I mean, we didn't even mention all the other stuff that happens in these last few books, including like you know, Bob, Bobby Draper going out in a blaze of glory. Yep. Uh, you know, as, there's a lot as she would like that was. That was Bobby. Yeah, like, no, yeah, absolutely. That was true to her. Uh, yeah, I feel like that was the right when you're when you're at the end of the series, you know, you can have your people live out happily ever after, or you can say, well, no, this person's going to go out in a blaze of glory, doing exactly what you'd expect them to do. And so Bobby's yeah. death in book eight is like that. Yeah, and, and Holden's death side. at at Holden's death in book nine is like that, yeah. where he's like he's doing yeah. the right thing. But then you also get the flip side, which is. Of course, Alex is alive yeah. in these last three books, so, and he kind of goes to, off and lives his life. Yeah, with his son. With his I son, wanted yeah. to talk about that a little bit, too, because, and I wasn't sure if it was more appropriate during the TV portion or this portion, I think this portion, because I didn't miss him yeah. during the TV show. And I think part of that is because... They did a really good job, like filling in Bobby. I think part of that was because there was there weren't a lot of episodes. There was so much time with Clarissa, with Marco, with Philip. Um, but also, like, I kind of feel like Alex doesn't do a whole lot in the last three books. Yeah, he's he's got a important role, I think, in terms of his. In some ways, he's always a little bit of the glue that holds the crew together. Agreed. Yeah. But he's not like, and and I think the 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 show plays a little fast and loose with how easy it is for Holden to just be like, all right, pop in the chair. It's like anybody could do this job, right? Like in the first five seasons, we're told how amazing Alex, uh, a pilot Alex is, and there is a great that great scene in like season two or three where he has to do all the orbits. And like not run the engines and he's like calculating like all the different places like, all right, I'm going to swing through this gravity well and catch this and then go through here. And it's like a really great and like you're supposed to remember like this guy is actually a pretty great pilot. Uh, But they kind of throw that all out the window for expediency in season six where it's like, I mean, basically anybody can fly. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they kind of allude to it like, oh, yeah, I'm not the pilot Amos or Alex was, but it's not really a big deal. Yeah, Yeah. they just had to had to do it. It is funny they're reading the book to know that they killed Alex off in the show and then here he is and he survives and gets to go off with his his son and his son's wife and their child and be Grand in another baby. planet somewhere and that's where he's motoring off to at the end and before they close the door. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's just a, a weird, strange, uh, whatever the opposite of a coincidence. <laughs> divergence, <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> no, it was very, very peculiar. It's, it's true. It's true. But these books, yeah, these books were really good. I like... I like I like all the weird stuff with them submerging the kids in the database with mm-hmm. Elvie and that like and that she kind of loses the plot and her husband's like you are everybody here thinks you've gone crazy right? <laughs> and that you're torturing these kids and it's like what the kids like it like, no <laughs> that doesn't no you are you are experimenting on these kids and they're going along with it and then 
Amos shows up and he's like, yeah, let's do this. Great. <laughs> what? It's just very evocative. And I mean, that's one of the things about the series that I will remember the most is any show where you've got a bunch of, you know, you got a thousand planets and you've got just, it's the widest of widescreen epics. Um, there's always going to be the titillation of like, we could tell you more, but but we won't. But I like. Mm. I really like how we get little details throughout. We go to we go to a planet for a book, and we hear about like this uh, this weird thing that's in the solar system, and we just get a sense of the the enormity of this. The idea that you couldn't. In fact, there's a passage in Book Nine that basically says if you went to every planet for a week oh, or whatever right. it is, yeah. you could never get to all of them before you die. Yeah, yeah. and it's such yeah. a great like moment of. Of it's what we're scale. showing you is yeah. not, you you need to understand the scale of humanity having spread out to all these systems. And they also say some of them aren't going to make it. Some of them aren't self-sufficient enough to make it and they're going to die when we close the doors, but we have to do it. But like, I just, I really love that scale and the fact that they embrace the scale and they give you the little tidbits of like, just enough detail for your brain to imagine the enormity of what's behind there without them actually having to paint that. I think that's really artfully done. Yeah. I think that the thing that kept me coming back to the series and this you know, ties into kind of with the show and what we were discussing is fundamentally for me, it is a science fiction series in which the characters are still people. And yes. that's what I've always yeah. loved about this is that there are, I've read a lot of science fiction and you read a lot of things where it's like, ah, humans have evolved and they're not even really humans anymore. And they're not really, don't really relate to us. And they don't feel, the characters don't feel like people. They feel like, uh, you know, shadow puppets dropped into a plot so that we can talk about interesting science fictional idea. I mean, like, you know, Foundation is a key. Yes. Like the, the books. Foundation yep. is a key example of this. It struggles with having real people. But these are real people in these books who are like real characters that have are, are entirely identifiable with as people. They're going through all the same stuff that any of us might go through. I mean, just on a, in a different location on a different scale sometimes. Um, but that is what made me always just, you know, come keep coming back for more was I love these characters so much. And that's, that's what trumps it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree. Um, you know, any, any good modern, novel is going to do that now i i i mean there have been some hugo nominees that don't really mm -hmm. match that up and there are not not characters maybe in not those any books. good novel but many but good but uh, you know if you're going to do a good high quality and, and and that's the thing is there are space opera e kind of books out there including the expanse series that that recognize that you know like the, the always the best stories are going to be stories about i always rolled my eyes when people talked about star trek was about the human condition but it's like well yeah like what do I care if there's some weird, perfect future humans who are involved with the laws of physics? Like, that's a nice idea and all, but like, how do I, how do I get into that? How do I understand and empathize with those characters? And that's usually when the author is like, I, I'm not interested in empathy. <laughs> like, okay, goodbye, <laughs> goodbye, <Yeah. laughs> goodbye. But um, yeah, the expanse is 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 all about that. I, I wanted to give a shout out to also the fact that these guys. Um, one of them was like George R. R. Martin's assistant, and I just want to—I just want to appreciate the fact that these guys watched as their book got successful, got sold, got made into a six-season <laughs> TV series. They kept writing. They released their books. The last two weren't quite one year at a time, but pretty close. And over the course of ten years, they—they they did nine books, and they got them all out there. And you know. 
I, I when Dan earlier when you were gonna say I remember when the the faces of the actors started like have inhabiting the books as I read them. What I thought you were gonna say is I remember when I crossed over that moment um, in Game of Thrones where. <laughs> <laughs> the book stopped and I went from being a reader of books to being like everybody else on, who was watching the TV show, having no idea what would happen next. Mm-hmm. And so tip of the cap to these guys for um, getting to the end and doing it in a timely fashion while they were distracted Hard, by their books being work. turned into TV shows and all of that. Like they, yeah, they show a easy. great deal of discipline and teamwork and I think it really, I saw an interview with him at one point where they, they said, it really matters that we're trying to do these a book a year. Like we're, we're really trying to not let the readers down. And I thought, well, you would know. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's tough. It's tough. And they, these are big, you know, no pun expansive. expansive books and, and there's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. They did, they did a stellar job, really. Well, stellar too. Wow. You're all mm. about the sci-fi novel puns there. That's right. Anything else before we wrap it up? I'm going to miss Chip and Jen. <laughs> mm, yeah. I'm sad they had They're to go. Out there with David Strathairn. It's tough. Yep. Oh, dude. Yep. So, so many good actors in this show over time. That's actually yeah. one of the things that, that we should have mentioned during the show wrap up, which is I am very impressed with the casting of this show because they got some world class actors, Jared Harris, David Strathairn, and Shura Agdashlu. I mean, she is a world class actress un- oh, unto and, her, uh, herself. Uh, oh, God. Who played Fred? Played, played oh Fred. oh oh the, from uh, from the wire from yeah the wire yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he's he is really good I, he oh man the scene where they off him in the show because he doesn't die until later in the books I think yeah well and he just dies of a of like a uh, but he basically does, how Alex he dies, dies yeah. how Alex dies in the books yeah, yeah. exactly right yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's no. that's uh uh oh Chad Coleman is his name but yeah Chad, Chad Coleman yeah he's great too yeah there there is a lot of really great casting in this yeah. show. Uh, even I'm surprised the uh, in the last season there, although we didn't talk about her, uh, Kathleen Robertson, who was on like 90210 or something. I don't know who plays the Marco's second. Oh yeah, she was really good. Oh. She she was like the really capable. Um, Trying to like, rein tr- that man in. Yes, oh. exactly. Like a, a much better leader than Marco. Yeah. Basically. And he just lets her die, right? Like that's the that's a brutal scene where he's like, nah, she's done. And like Philip's like, uh, let's let's get a medic. And Marco's like, no, we're we're busy. <laughs> we're yeah. doing other stuff here. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what happens I, when you follow Marco and Haros. I mean, it's a bad idea. I also really love in the books how Naomi um kind of unintentionally becomes like the leader of the resistance mm-hmm. so we have mm-hmm. holden mm-hmm. is always kind of like the face of yep. not necessarily the resistance although it does become that but, but he's a like symbol the, he's like yeah he's the symbol of all that is good and just in the <laughs> universe you know like um but naomi is is always the one crunching the numbers doing the data analytics Mm -hmm. doing the organization and i love that in the final i guess it is the final three books definitely the last two books she is actually doing that she's like nope like this is what i am doing i'm setting up this like clandestine (laughs) network of buoys and and she does the one thing we tell every tech person never do which is don't run your own email server yeah i know right (laughs) like i just um 
I don't love that for her because it's a, it's a it's a lot of work and a lot of pressure. But man, they they she was good at it. They made her good at it. Yeah. Well, in yeah. those last moments where she knows that Holden is sacrificing herself, I think it's the, one of those moments of like this a long relationship, and she's very upset, and yet also she he is the man she fell in love with, and he in some ways he's back because he would kind of came back broken from being uh, held yep. on Laconia and he's doing Holden stuff. And this is what, this is what he was when she met him. And and so it's this really, I thought well portrayed bittersweet, like mm-hmm. he's going to die and, and it's the end of the books for us, but her life continues. Right. And it's right, not, not yeah. for her, but at the same time, it's her acceptance and understanding that this is a thing that has to be done. And that it really, of course it's going to be him to do it. Cause that's like when you bought the ticket, it, this was written on it is he was going to do dumb stuff like this. That was, mm-hmm. and she knows it, but it's still so sad, right? Because they've been at this point, they've been together for whatever, 30 years, 25 years. Yeah. It's good yeah. stuff. Good job. Mm-hmm. Good job, guys. Are they, are they writing more books together after this? I think they are. I think they announced they were doing something together something. Yeah. that wasn't this. Yeah. Um, but they also, I mean, I know uh, Daniel Abraham has written fantasy series in the right. past on his own. Uh, Tiber, I don't think, has done as much on his own. But I thought they were saying that they were they were working on something else. Ty Frank. And there's, Yeah. And then there's, uh, I think there's like one more short story, right? Like, yeah, there's coming a, in a collection. The, there's a novella collection coming out in March that will include one new piece of work that nobody's seen before that it takes place after Leviathan Falls. So everybody's going to have to buy it just for the one story. And, you know, not, I haven't read any of and them, I so will. I can read them all. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's good. There, there's a bunch of good... I mean, that's the thing. For those who have not read those, buy that collection because a lot of those stories are really good and you've seen some of them touched on in the show, which I was always delighted by, but like they are very good. There's a lot of really good stuff mm-hmm. in there. The churn talking about the origins of Amos in Baltimore is is especially good. And yeah, Strange Dogs is really weird and creepy, but you've seen it now on the show. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up the expanse for now. I guess check in with us in I episode twelve hundred when we'll <laughs> oh, talk about it coming back or something. And thirty thirty years from now, Jason, when our flash forward, when our heirs will talk about it in a hologram. Uh, but until then, um, thanks to Chip Sutterth and Jen Burt for being here uh, before we sent them through the airlock. Uh, Dan Morin, thank you for being here. Uh, now we got that out of the way, we'll grab a few beers and get reacquainted. Annaline <laughs> Sims, thank you. Uh, red Kibble for everyone. Oh, Red, <laughs> red Kibble. Uh, uh, <laughs> and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next week. <laughs>